All right. Athleter Podcast. Thank you, Chase Pammy. How are you, bud? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, good, man. Good. I'm glad it glad it worked out. I know Joel and I had talked some months back and, and just trying to line things up. It's just juggling too many, too many things in the air sometimes. But no, I'm 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 happy to be on. I just I just I've kind of caught a little bit about what you guys are doing and, and always fun when you're getting um when you're getting wrestling people together and, and successful people together, right? And having conversations and furthering, uh, you know, furthering the uh, uh, thought process of things, right? So that's the idea. That's the idea right now. And here's the deal. We, I, I can't explain to you how exciting it is to see a guy like you who had a lot of success a college wrestler international styles come back and and decide like this isn't like you fell into you decided to have a club and you decided to have it in vegas like talk to me about what that what talk to me about the transition from competitive career and to now club coaching yeah and stop me, stop me if you want. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of take it a little bit farther back from there, right? Vegas, my hometown, born and raised here. Um, so I have that connection. I have all my family here. And growing up here, there was, it was very spotty in terms of what you got in terms of training, right? I had club coaches. I had club, but not necessarily club. It was kind of we had our high school kids and and two of our club coaches that were hired basically just for us was. Gray Maynard and and you guys know fought in the UFC multiple time All American and then Eugene Harris he wrestled at Oregon he was an All American as well so those those guys were were really like the catalyst for me when I was a freshman sophomore I was good and then they came in and and my junior year they came in and it really helped catapult me and helped me jump the levels that I needed to get um, to really get you know to get where I wanted to go and and so that inspired me right that always inspired me and looking at vegas as a place that one it never had something and 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 so to come back and 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 give back to the community in that way um and then also coming back and, and it was a good business opportunity too you know I, I looked on both sides and again there wasn't anything here i felt like i had a pretty good model to go into a new area and create new because it's not like you come to vegas right and you have you have a huge population of, of elite wrestlers like you might you know, California, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, we had to really go out and create a whole new market. And, uh, and we've been really blessed to be able to do that. And, and so, um, and, and, and so to answer your question, you know, leaving, leaving Pennsylvania, all those years of competing, I always knew I wanted to come back to Vegas starting in 2012. My inspiration was, or 2011, I, I was in Belarus. Josh Torello was one of my roommates and we were, just discussing wrestling and how he grew up and all this kind of stuff. And he was talking about overtime and Sean Bormet. And I think that was right around the time that Bormet left and him and Donnie Pritzloff went to Michigan. And I, I just remember talking to Josh for an hour or so about overtime. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to do that in Vegas. That's my inspiration. Um, and from that day on, I, I really kind of slowly – would talk to people about what they were doing, how they were doing clubs. Cause right. You look right now, like the club game's crazy. It's really like become something now that's you're starting to see clubs pop up everywhere. Right. Um, but it was really like a 10 year 
process of like laying this out and, and learning and watching and running, you know, club at Illinois and then running the academy at, at, at Penn when I was coaching there and then learning how to do all the backside stuff. And, um, and then when I was in Illinois, I spent a lot of time up at Izzy style. So spent a lot of time with Izzy and learned how he did things and, and, and kind of picked a little bit from every, every person and kind of took it. And then I looked at gymnastics models and how they do things. And I looked at jujitsu models and I really just tried to mold something together. So when I came back here, there was, there was a plan. I had about a two year business plan that I've been working on, um, how to go about it. And, and Roger Reyna at Penn really mentored me knowing that I was going to leave, which meant a lot to me knowing that, Hey, I'm here for two more years and then I'm planning on leaving. And, and he sat down with me and really helped just put everything pen to paper, gave me homework to do and, and set me up. So when I came back here, it wasn't starting from ground zero. It was, there was some, some runway to, to, to take off with. Right. So that answering your question, um, you know, hopefully it answered your question. Right. So it did, it did, but, but okay. You had the for, good fortune and the good fortune and opportunity to go and study some of the best club coaches, probably. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, for-profit type clubs, probably in the world, um, what would you say to somebody? How would you, how would you lay the blueprint for somebody who maybe didn't, get to wrestle at as high of a level as you, um, how would you tell them to go about starting a club? Like step one, step two, step three. You know, for Vegas, the interesting thing is I would, I would tell you probably 30% of our club, you know, of, of gold rush really understands the level to which I was at in wrestling the other 70%. It's kind of like they come here, they know Gold Rush. And part of that's on us to make sure that we market it and brand it well and do all those kind of er, market and brand me well. Sometimes I don't always do the best of that, right? So you don't necessarily need a name, but understanding the business side of things, understanding markets, understanding what's important in your market and, and, and understanding how to quote unquote, like market research, right? One of the things I did before I moved back is I called multiple people here who had tried clubs before and it failed because everybody, there'd been a lot of people that had failed. And so I got some information from there. And then, um, a guy named Rob Kate, I don't know how well, I don't know if you guys know Rob, Rob runs most every USA wrestling tournament, us open world team trials, world championships. He's the guy like hidden back that you would never know who he is, but him and Pete work really well. And I remember I, I called Rob. I said, hey, Rob, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to move back. And uh, Rob's pretty naive and straightforward. And, and I would call Rob at least once a month and say, Rob, tell me why this isn't going to work. I would tell him my idea. And then I would say, tell me why this is not going to work. Because I wanted to problem solve for all the issues that were, were, were possibly could happen. Right. So there had to be some strategy to it. I had to stop thinking like a wrestler because I think sometimes wrestlers are very – um, I don't mean this in a mean way, but kind of ancient in the way they think, you know, very, you know, just very, it's, it's who we are, right? We're straightforward. We grind, we go hard at everything we do, but you got to be a little savvy too. You got to have some business savvy side. So I, you know, to shorten that up, I would say, know your market, know what's important to your market, know what they want, 
understand your demographics, right? Know where your pricing is, know what you're, who you're attracting to. Joel and I had this conversation actually when we very first got this thing going about creating avatars, um, basically avatars of what we, what, what I was going to market to, you know, um, I didn't go as in detail, but I understood that I'm dealing with a very, um, middle-class, you know, middle-class, lower-class market here in Vegas. Um, but I'm also dealing with people too, who have, who do work a lot of, um, um, uh, construction jobs and things like that. And so there are people that have money, but, but not money, money, but they have money. So I had to kind of find that sweet spot with pricing. So know your market, um, understand who you're understanding, who you're dealing with, um, and grab as much information as you can up front. And then lastly, I would say, if you don't have a name, if you're not like, if you're somebody that's maybe you're just a good high school wrestler or, or maybe you were a college wrestler and you, you know, you went through college, but you know, those kind of things, I would say it, it's hard, but being humble and knowing your place within the business, right? Knowing your place as, Hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm, I get, I'm the face of my business. Right. But I know someday I'm going to have to transition this off to somebody else and somebody else kind of becomes a face. But what I really intentionally did from like a business building standpoint is I put, you guys see, I put Chase Pammy's gold rush, but I didn't want to put my name because you see a lot of people that put their name, you know, like, you know, you know, Jack Johnson wrestling club or whatever. Like I didn't want my name to be on there for the longevity of it because I see gold rush as something that's well beyond my years in wrestling. So I can always take Chase Pammy off. People look at Gold Rush and they don't see the Chase Pammy. Now they just know what is Gold Rush, right? And so I really tried to build a brand around Gold Rush with a value, with values and and and, and a mission that people get behind those missions and those values. Yeah, they know Chase Pammy, but again, like I said, I knew my market. 70% of my market doesn't even know who I am, but 70% of my market do know Gold Rush Wrestling's mission if you look at our branding and our gym, mining for gold on and off the mat, right? And our values, communication, you know, leadership, maximum effort and long game, people understand that and they get behind the vision and the quality of what this, what this, what this is as a business and what it's doing for their children. Right. So, um, yeah, a little long winded to answer that, but that's, that's kind of the model that, that, that I took with it, the approach that I took. Right. Talked about, you know, during this process, you had to stop thinking like a, a like a wrestler. Um, kind of on the flip side, there, what do you think are some of the skills and traits and experiences that you found to be really valuable in translating to you know starting your own business? Right. Um. So let's rewind back to Penn. You know, I'm there for four years as an assistant coach under Roger Reina. You know, Roger Reina coached great teams, and and then he retired and and went into 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 the startup world you know, for what, eight, nine years and then came back to wrestling. And so a lot of what he learned in the startup world, he really brought that over to Penn because Penn's an interesting, in, interesting dynamic, right? It's not, it's, it, 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 it's, it's, it's not your Oklahoma state or your Iowa where you just have the name and the brand. You walk into someone's living room, all oh, that coach is from Iowa, right? You, you walk into a, a room, like not like it's still to this day, people get mixed up with Penn and Penn state. Right. So I learned a lot of, and, and he intentionally gave me a lot of like back end work that, that sometimes didn't seem like, uh, not the, uh, uh, not the like glorious, not the cute, not the fun stuff to do. It was kind of like, man, why is he making me do this? Um, but one of the things he taught me, like I learned like just a simple tool was just building a database, 
building a database of, and how to how to gather information, how to use Mailchimp, how to how to organize my uh, campaigns out of my da databases and um, and build that up, and then also understanding how Google Analytics work. That's a big big part of our um, of what gets us traffic. I mean, we we traffic you know well up over sixty seventy thousand a month. You know between and and it's not that we ever had to pay for anything. It's just understanding how to get people hitting your website, right? Um, and then little like just little marketing, like simple marketing tools. Like we would we would create these little flyers um, for Gold Rush, and we would go to the JV tournaments, and I would market to the JV tournaments, and we'll go to like football games, youth football games, and we'll put these flyers on the car with a QR code. What happens is people hit that QR code and as soon as they hit that QR code, it hits the website and now we know what's getting traffic and what's not. So we'll do different campaigns that that allow us to see, okay, people are, people are, this, 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 this worked. We got 150 people out of the 600 flyers that we dropped out that hit the website, you know, and out of that funnel, we got, you know, we picked up 20 kids. It was the same thing with Penn, you know, it was, we, we started off with a huge database across the country. I believe we have one of the biggest databases that we built right and mailing mailing campaigns but you 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 kind of go level by level cuz you know that not all kids are going to be academic kids so you already start cutting that down right and then you got to start finding fit and core value and missions and what's really important to these kids and so your 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 you know your your funnel becomes less and then you kind of start building those individual relationships um and so i really translated that that model right there of casting wide nets and working my way down was really big the other thing is, is I didn't limit it to just elite kids. I built our, like our things outside or whenever people read, it says, you know, Gold Rush Wrestling, all ages, all levels, all experiences, right? So we are, we market to a huge, huge net. So we have, we have 10 coaches, but we have classes all the way from, from three, four-year-olds, beginners, and then we level our classes as they kind of go up. Um, so you could be a beginner, you could be a first year, you could be a second year, you could be a fifth year. We have something for everybody and anyone that's really trying to get into wrestling um, from three to 18. And then we do, you know, we do our adult classes periodically. You said that there were clubs in the Vegas area that did not succeed. You said that there was a bunch of them. Yep. You reached out to these people and asked them what, where did where did it go wrong? What was the number one answer? What was the answer where like, hey, this this got me here? A lot of them just thought if you build it, if if you build it on a name, that people will come. That was that was the number one thing. They've been successful in wrestling and and just thought wrestling was going to draw like jujitsu or draw like you know any other sport, and it wasn't because it no one no one really knew about it and no one knew how to market. They didn't explicitly say that. But a lot of people didn't know how to market and how to reach the 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 the, the greater valley of, of of Las Vegas and and find the right places. They just thought, okay, I'll build it, people will come. Yeah, that that doesn't work here. Do you think that that's indicative of being Las Vegas, which typically has not been the mecca of wrestling, or is that just can can we supplant? Vegas with, I don't know, um, a place in Kansas or Missouri or New Mexico. Do you think that it, like, unless you're, so I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of places, New York, New Jersey, 
Pennsylvania, yeah. California, you can just go walk in and be a name because you had success and people know who you are in the wrestling community there. But I don't know if that's the case um, in other parts of the country. Do you think that Vegas was an isolated situation or is it just most of those towns across the country? I think I think it applies to a lot of places across across the country. Like I personally believe I'm very confident that I could take my model, you know, what I talked to you about, and then there's some other pieces. I'm very confident I could take my model to most any place where there isn't wrestling and it and and it, it would succeed and 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 it would draw numbers. Cause it's not again, it's not built on it's not built on just the name, right? It's it's built on you know, you're taking really more of a business approach. So yeah, I think, you know, Mike, we go, if, if you or I go to Pennsylvania and said, Hey, we're starting a club, we're going to, we're going to, you're, you're going to get people, right? Cause it, the way wrestling travels there here, wrestling and, and, and social media and names don't, don't travel. And I think that's like a lot of places, Kansas, you know, the places in Nebraska, places in Idaho. I just did a camp up in North Dakota last week, you know, and, and, um, the lady that marketed it did a great job. I mean, she, she had 70 kids, you know, and it's a town of, it's a town of 700 people, you know? So she got all these people from surrounding towns and whatnot, you know? Um, and we kind of talked about a strategy of how to go about and do it, but she just hustled and made it happen. Um, but in my mind, I was like, you know what? I wonder, I wonder if it, I, I think I could, I would need to figure it out a little bit, but I think I could make this model work in this area if, if, if I really wanted to. Right. Um, so I don't think it is isolated. No how much of uh the lessons that you learned along the way uh you know like how long how hard is it to kind of convey some of that stuff to your kids in the club um obviously there's you know some core values and things like that that you try and impart how much of that is like the kids coming in with that background already um with some of these intangible skills and how much is that like i have to teach it and you know, I'm having such a hard time getting this across to to the kids. Yeah, it's culture, right? What do what do most college coaches say when they come in? Or most coaches, it's it's typically a four to six year process of either redoing culture, like tearing it apart and rebuilding it, right? Or just building culture from the ground up. I I value culture number one above everything else. Culture trumps everything, right? And I believe that good culture, good culture replicates, reproduces itself, right? And so on the front end here. There's things I've been very, and my staff, I've asked them to be very intentional about in building culture and building kids who learn how to replicate your culture with the lessons they're learning. For example, right now we have a Fargo group of about 20, we have 21 kids going from Gold Rush and I get to spend a lot more individual time with them because our, our club practices are still going on um, and they still have their normal club practices when they have individual time. But we, we had a meeting a couple weeks back and I said, this is the, here's the deal. We're putting 90% of the responsibility on the kids for this Fargo stuff. And we're taking that responsibility out of the hands of the parents. Meaning if an athlete's not going to show up to practice for whatever reason, they're responsible to communicate, right? We are doing a recovery, you know, this, this Saturday and we're going to a hot tub, cold tub that we, you know, a place that we found. And we're not only doing hot tub, cold tub, but I'm having them teach the kids about recovery and what recovery does and how that plays a part, right? Um, clinicians that I bring in, I try to bring clinicians that sometimes you bring in the star clinicians, but sometimes you bring in clinicians that, that, that bring value, bring stories, you know, bring inspiration to, to, to the club, right? So I try to get them imparted 
these different these different concepts and ideas of what they're doing. We did a volunteer project back in November and we packed boxes for families and turkeys and all that kind of stuff. And then those kids were, you know, they had those seven kids had to write an essay and really trying to make these little things, these kind of little details stick along the way. Um, you know, Mike, I know, you know, we've worked with mindset wrestling quite a bit and we kind of stole the idea from Valiant Prep and, and, and mindset wrestling, but there's a creed and we kind of wrote this creed. Um, and one of the first, the first line in our, the first two lines in our creed go, I'm, 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 uh, I'm thankful and grateful for the opportunity to wrestle. And I'm excited to give maximum effort on the mat. And that's like the, every one of our kids have that built into the fabric of, of their thought process. When they step out on the mat, Hey, I'm thankful to get out here and wrestle. And I'm grateful for all the people that have made this happen. And I'm excited to give my very best effort, regardless of what happens. And the kids, you know, they get that. They start to talk about it and it starts to, it starts to build, right? It's like a snowball effect. It's hard because up front, you got to be really, really intentional and really aware of what you allow to come into their ears. And then when there's fires, finding those fires and figuring out how to extinguish them properly for the future. Patience. Patience. <laughs> patience and patience and patience that it takes. It's it, uh, okay. It takes patience to build a great culture. Yep. Seems like you're on year number four now. Is that correct? Yeah, we just, we just, we're getting done with year three ish here. So we're, yeah, we're, we're finishing up year three going into year four. Yep. Okay. So let's say, are you seeing, the fruits of your labor in every aspect that you thought you would, whether that be culture, whether that be um, financial, whether that be, um, you know, another thing that I, I kind of thought about was what's the next goal in terms of like, Hey, we were marketing to the JV tournaments, but now we're, we have built a name. This is something that is very successful on, on a lot of different fronts and in a lot of measurable ways. Yeah. What's the next goal? Is it Fargo X amount of Fargo all Americans? Is it, um, is it world teams? So how, I guess what I'm asking is how do you grade yourself four years in, in a lot of those measurable departments? Yeah, we're, <laughs> So, and we are very blessed. Like, I mean, we are very blessed. We do have the best, the, the, the best kids in Nevada. We have the all Americans. We have, you know, we have a couple of kids that I I'm, are, are right there who've had national rank wins and, and, and Fargo placers. We had, we had five all Americans last year in Fargo. We had three kids in the semis of Greco. We had two all Americans in freestyle. And so, you know, those are all things that, and when I came in, I guess I came in with low hanging fruit expectations because I wasn't sure what to expect. Right. Vegas kind of runs this, you know, Vegas kind of runs this big fish in a small pond kind of thing where kids get very comfortable here because they get successful. And then it's and then they, they, they go to national tournaments and they don't have success. And then they get all like they get all down on themselves because they have this easy road in Las Vegas. Right. And so we've had to be very diligent to put them in uncomfortable situations, tough tournaments travel um training type situations right um but as far as like as far as grading where we're at you know i have a, a business mentor and and 
super encouraging when he talks to me and, and from the business side, you know, he tells me where, where you're at right now, you're really like a year five business in terms of, in terms of your, the, the, the customer pace that you're pushing through and everything that we have, you know, most of our leveled classes are, are, are what's called our minors and discover classes are, are three through 13 year old classes that are all, um, built with, 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 uh, you know, beginners first and second years. And, um, but the, those are all waitlisted at, at 50, you know, 20 plus kids right now, you know, we just opened up a few more. So he, you know, he's encouraged me in that way. You're, you're at about a year five in terms of the business side on the culture side. I do think we're, we're right on track, right? Year three, um, year three is, is, a uh, it's a trim the fat year. You know, we had, we had to make a lot of tough calls in year three, um, I think there were people that we had to let go or families that we were, um, we had to be pretty straightforward with like, Hey, this is not our culture. This is not who we are. And if this is not the right fit, right, then you need to go find somewhere else. Again, it's not like, Hey, we're the greatest. We're the best. You know? Yeah, we are, but I don't try to push that a lot. I, I try to push culture and fit. Right. And so we've had to tell some people, Hey, this is, this is not the right culture for you. You need to go find somewhere else. And, 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 you know, best of luck. Maybe we circle back up on this someday. So I think from a culture side, I like where we're at. Um, year four, what, what we're really at now is, is kind of, a uh, um, is heading into a plug the holes kind of year. Uh, I think there's, there, there's identifying different holes in the ship, so to speak, different holes in the business that, um, that we just, we want to tighten up. Right. And, and, and that's what year four is, is cleaning up the business side, whether it be, you know, as simple as rewriting if some of our waivers, some of our, how we, how we reimburse somebody on the business side, um, tightening up our communications, um, really just clarifying how you move from class to class, even better for the parents when they come in, um, putting a little more into some of our marketing and our social media now. So I, I, I believe we're really on track on some of those things. I, I on the wrestling side of, 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 of where I want us to be, um, it's, it's about where I thought we would be. Right. I, I think we have, we have a couple hitters going to Fargo. I think we have the potential to potential to have seven all Americans. We, we just had our first 15 U Greco champ at, at us open and, and all uh, outstanding wrestler. We had another 15 U freestyle champ. Um, we had, we had multiple guys in 17 U that were in the round of 12 that, you know, are really pushing it. So I, I would grade, you know, I would grade like a, uh, man, part of myself, but I would say like, honestly, I feel like we're like a B minus B plus with, with, with things still, still to fix. Um, and I'm the kind of person that, uh, I gotta be careful because I, I can find so many things to fix and then end up in mile wide inch deep territory instead of, okay, let's manage this one piece. My assistants. Okay. I'm gonna have you manage this piece, right? My, my administrators, Okay, you're going to manage kind of these pieces. Um, so B minus, B plus. I, you know, I, I, excuse me, B B plus. That's where that's where I would put it. You talked about uh, a few kids in your club. You know that you had to you know part ways with. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what that process looks like of identifying somebody who's may not be a fit with the culture, like? Is it something where it's like, hey, you got to go right away? Or is it something where like you give them opportunities to work and they continue to to fail to meet expectations? 
Yeah, that's that. That's really the way we do. I mean, unless it's an extreme situation. I mean, we had we had one really extreme situation where it was kind of like, okay, you got you got to go. You you can't your kid can't say that. That that that's like way way out of bounds. And we've had issues with you before, right? And some of it is is not always the kids. Sometimes it's the parent, right? And we all we'll have those conversations about who we are, right? Long game is something that we're going to talk about. Our six and seven year olds, hey. We don't want, we don't need them competing a hundred times a year, right? We, we need them competing, um, you know, a couple times a year, preferably my preference, they don't compete at all. Right. And, and we've done pretty good in the past, in the past year of not having too many six and seven year olds, really making it fun, creating in-house classes and in-house scrimmages that kind of keep us a little more in control so we can train the parents on how to how to be parents to, to athletes too. So we really take a, try to take a very active part in that as well. Um, which as you guys know, I mean, if you've been around youth clubs, that's, that, that's a lot. Um, but there's the balance of, of teaching them and then getting to a point where, okay, we've had this conversation multiple times now and you, you understand you were a part of the parent meeting. You were part of, you've seen all of our values. You've heard me talk about it and you're still continuing to, you know, create, create this, create this issue or, or this and that, Hey, look, respectfully, this is just not a right fit for, for what you want and what, what we want. The other thing I'll do too, is, is ask that question early on, um, is like, what's most important to you, mom or dad? Like, what do you want for your son or what do you want for your daughter? What, what do you hope for them? Right. And I try to listen and ask questions that surface some of those core values um, and then I'll kind of come back with, hey, these are our core values, leadership and long game and, 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 and communication. And, hey, mom and dad, what do you think about these core values, right? These are the values that when your kid's done with Gold Rush, when they go to college, I can tell, you know, I can tell Coach John at Cal Poly or I can tell Coach Zeke at, at Arizona State or, you know, Coach John at Oklahoma, hey, this is the kid you're going to get. This is, this is the values that should be built into them. You know, and this is the skill set that's laid underneath them. That's you understand that and you understand the vision that we're not in it for success right away. We're in it for delayed gratification and, and success down the road. Then you're going to be OK. But if you want success now, you want your six and seven year old to be a national champ. It's not going to be it's just it's not going to be fun for you. It's going to be not a good fit. There's a couple other clubs in the city. Hey, like they're good guys. I talk with them. I know them. Maybe go try like these other clubs, which sometimes it's hard. But now that we're at a place where. Again, like our market allows us to do that where we've got so much interest. It, 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 it is a little easier. We had to do it a couple of times the, the first and second year. We had to just let people walk and, and it was a little bit like, are we doing the right thing? And eh, I think we are. We're building for culture in the future, right? That's, that's a big deal, man, because it's scary, right? Especially when this is how you put food on your table. I can remember... <clears throat> sitting down you know i didn't when i was running a club in jersey i didn't have um i only had two assistant coaches but i, I don't want to say that i didn't trust them i just i don't know maybe i just wasn't as transparent with them but i remember sitting down with my wife going we gotta get rid of these people they're they're bad shit crazy they're 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 bad shit she's like but they they pay so much in private they're bad shit crazy and it's it's a cancer and and it's it's really tough it's a conversation that you don't want to have it's a conversation that needs to be had 
and it was always the best thing moving forward. It was always, it always wound up being way better than yeah. you could have expected. So <clears throat> let's say someone doesn't start from scratch. Let's say they don't come into a city that is, let's say they inherit a team, okay? And maybe the culture is not great. Maybe the cult, but but they're they're having success. What would you say to somebody that is taking over a team? That what is the number one thing that you would do to help change the culture as quickly as you can? Obviously. So funny enough, let let's rewind back to me moving back to Vegas, <coughs> January of twenty twenty. Um, <coughs> I I'm I'm on the fence about moving back because I kind of you know. I'd retired. I'd let Roger know, hey, in the next two years, I'm going to move back to Vegas. I know you're mentoring, you know, he's mentoring me. I'm making pretty good money as an assistant and running the, the academy. And I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty darn good, man. I'm, I'm maybe I don't want to move back. Um, so I'm going, and then I'm like, but I want to be back with my family. I want to start a club. I just want to get this thing going. I want to be home. I've been away from Vegas for 15 years. Um, January of 2020, my dad has an incident that basically, like, I thought I was coming home to him dead. I gave a POA over the phone. I'm his POA. I gave it to, to kind of let him let him pass. And and long story short, he ends up making a full recovery and, and everything. And then that point, I said, okay, I'm moving back to Vegas. Roger, I coach. He let me come home for a week and get everything in place. I said, I'm 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 going to leave at the end of the year, and, and he was good with it. And uh, so then we get to <laughs> we get to a month later with and and what happens? COVID. I'm like, oh my god, like how am I going to do this? Like I don't even have a building yet. I don't have any kids what is going to happen um so then this guy like one of my best friends one of my good friends here is like hey there's this guy pete he wants to talk to you and i knew pete ran a club called uh called pistol pete wrestling that he ran here and and they were a pretty good club and it had just the best club in vegas had just kind of disintegrated they had about 20 kids that left the best club here in vegas fall out with the coach and all those 20 kids ended up at most of those kids ended up at Pistol Pete. So he's like, hey, Pete wants to talk to you. I'm like, why does this guy want to talk to me? We're we're about to be we're about to be rivals. Like I'm coming to Vegas. Like he's about to be my rival. And then he starts calling me. We're playing phone tag for about two, three weeks. Um, and then finally my buddy's like, you need to talk to Pete. He 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 wants out of this thing. He wants out of this. He wants to get rid of the club. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Change, change the game. So I call him, hey, what's up, man? Hey, you know, we have the conversation. He's just, Hey dude, I know who you are known you forever. I have a ton of respect for you. Look, I've run this club for the last six, seven years now. I'm, I did it when I was, he's like, I did it when I was fighting. I started it and, and I, I'm, I'm just, I, I don't want to do this. I, this is not what I want to do. I, I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. I'm a firefighter. I want to travel and leave my wife. I'm, I'm out of it. I'm like, you want me to pay you? What do you want me to do? He's like, no, just take it and make it better than it was that, that, than I made it. Uh, okay, like, but what are we dealing with here? So I get the I get the list of kids. It's about sixty kids. Um, I get here to Vegas. Um, I I I, I kind of slowly started. You know, when he told me that, we slowly figured out how to make the transition and let everybody know. Um, but when then I got to Vegas, we we couldn't do any practices right away because of COVID. So it was like June. I moved to Vegas the last basically three years ago at this time right around this time to this day 
to this day, June 1st, three years ago, I moved, I moved back to Vegas is when I landed in Vegas. Um, so I get there and, 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 and the academy practices, um, I meet everybody at a party they have at the end of June that you're not really supposed to have. They have like 80 people at this banquet. I'm like, dude, like this probably not even legal, but it is what it is, you know? Um, so to answer your question, I I've done it. And what I did is when I came in, I didn't come in with like a strong, some people come with a strong presence. I came in like watching everybody. I really like the one thing, the feedback I get from people now is like, the one thing about you when you first came, you're kind of mysterious. You're kind of hard to read. We, you know, people didn't really know what to make of you because everyone knew who you were, but you were also very, like very reserved. And so I took the approach of like, I just came in, I had to run small practices. I can only run groups of four for the first basically two months. So literally I was running like groups of four with 80 kids and killing myself five days a week. And they were only getting two practices a week. Um, so we'd kind of done that. And then about a month and a half after I was here, I, I got all the parents. Okay, this is, we're going to have a meeting. We'll do it over Zoom and I'll, I'll lay out what we're going to do. So I built a whole deck presentation. And in that deck presentation, I put our, you know, who I was, my background. Then I talked, I had a, a, a our mission, our core values, our vision of where we're trying to go, how we're going to get there. Um, I talked about, um, what else was in our deck presentation? We had uh, expectations for parents, athlete expectations, you know, all these kind of things. And I, I laid out this 50 minute deck presentation that I did with them, ran it through and asked them to take a moment and reflect on it. So I did that. And then I called all 75 parents over a three week span and asked the same set of eight questions to them. Said the same thing. Hey, mom and dad, you know, have this conversation um, you know, we went over the deck presentation. I want to, you know, I want to ask you what's most important to you. All right. So I'd ask them a question and say, you know, what's your, what's your goal and your future and your vision for your kid? Okay. What do you think about the mission? Talk about it. What do you think about the values? We talk about it. We get to the end. And then I would say, Hey, this is who I am. This is what's important to me. This is what I value. This is what I want to achieve. You've seen that in our deck presentation. Do you feel that this is a good fit for you? And I'm going to ask you not to answer that question. I'm going to ask you to reflect on that. I'm going to ask you to think about that before you jump into this so that you know, hey, you have the choice to jump in. If you jump in, this is what you're getting into. If not, again, there's multiple clubs that started in 2020. There was me and three other clubs that started in Vegas. There's multiple other clubs. If you want to go look at another club, good. But this is who we are. This is our vision. This is what we're doing. If you trust it, jump in. If not, okay, we'll see you down the road. So that was really my process. And it was exhausting to do all that, to call every parent. But at the end of the day, I know they appreciated it. I didn't retain all those kids. I had quite a bit that left. Not quite a bit, but I had probably, yeah, probably about 10 or 12 that went a different way. And, you know, we retained, I think we had 68 kids when we started or 70 kids and then kind of grew from there. Once you finally got started, um, you know, what was your kind of like areas of focus of, you know, like starting to build that culture with, with the kids and, and the parents? Um, I knew I needed to develop a, cause those were kids that all had wrestling experience, right? About half of them were ones from the previous club, about 30 of them either stopped wrestling, went to another club, just moved or whatever. And we did a, we did, we did a marketing launch. So we picked up another 30 or 40. So 
we had about we'll call it half and half you know so but all had wrestling experience i really honed in the fact that i needed to figure out a way to create a whole new market of kids because i knew we had four clubs in the city the thing about vegas that's kind of kind of interesting is you don't get a lot of kids that jump from club to club like most kids stay in their club that's my experience in three years we'll see in 10 years right but most everyone stays and it's hard to uproot kids from from youth kids from other clubs people surprisingly stay pretty loyal here for whatever reason you know um but i i had to really develop a, a, a developmental program and that's where our concept of discover wrestling came out of i talked to a guy in uh texas who worked on the prtc the pen board our Pennsylvania Regional Training Center, and he was mentoring me on how to do some of the business side. And he said, "Hey, why don't you why don't you do like a once a week class where you just offer like a trial, call it Discover Wrestling or something like that?" And I'll tell you what, like from that little idea, I, I built off that, and Discover Wrestling became this program now that is our like that is our bread and butter of what we're doing. That is where we, you know, we're able to run as a business is is through our our Discover Wrestling program. And then we developed our minors program. And those are like, you know, when we when I say we have 10 coaches, not every coach is a division one coach. We only have one other coach that's even wrestled division one. Um we we have um we have oh excuse me, two other coaches of wrestled division one. And then other guys that we've just trained up. We did an adult class and I knew I needed coaches, so I did an adult class. And out of my adult class, I found three new coaches, people that are wrestled. You know, people that had gone through the class for for a couple months and plugged them back into coaching. Hey, do you want to coach now? Because I look at jujitsu gyms. Who coaches the jujitsu gyms? The people who run the gym, and and then who coaches the kids? People who are in the who are in the jujitsu classes, right? So I just stole that same model. Um, and then the 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 thing I think that I, other thing I identified is I'm an elite level wrestler coming from an elite level. I'm just running practices for Kyle Snyder you know, a couple months before, and now I'm running practices for five and six year olds. So I went out and I found the two best youth coaches in the state of Nevada. And I hired those youth coaches and I brought them in and I said, do whatever you've been doing, just keep doing and we'll work together. And, and as long as you guys are coachable and, and, and you, you can learn from me and vice versa, I want to learn from you because you've coached youth for 10 years. You're way ahead in the game than me it's going to take me a while to catch up and learn how to coach youth kids. So I'm going to learn from you how to coach youth kids. You guys are going to learn from me, the technical side and what I really want in a curriculum and a foundation. And so there became this mutual respect between my two youth coaches. No one would ever know who they are, but I promise I would put these two guys up against any other club coaches in the country because just the, how they work towards their craft, how well they are with the kids, their patience, their understanding, and I've learned so much how to be a better youth coach to our young kids because because of those guys. So those are the two areas I've really identified as important out the gates. Um, in in hiring a youth coach, what were you looking for? Like, what was the thing that stood out? Because we know it's not a it's not about the hundred matches or pushing hundred matches or. And it's not about the success at an eight-year-old level. What were the characteristics that you were looking for when you were looking for youth coaches? So I went back to the vision and the mission. I, I, I talked about that. That was really the first off the conversations I had. But I looked for people that 
love the sport. They, they and 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 they truly they truly care about the kids, right? They understand that there's not money in this the way that there is in other things. My second assistant, he gets paid, paid he makes pretty good money for for being a, a club coach. And there's still more room for for him to be able to grow and, and I made ways for that. But I wanted to find people who truly they 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 love they love working with youth kids, right? They 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 enjoy that piece of it. I also looked for for coaches who had worked with parents in the past. So they were already had that foundation of how to how to deal with that piece of it. Um I looked for coaches that had traveled. So both these guys had traveled extensively with youth kids in the past. So if I can't go, I've got three other coaches who can travel at, at the drop of a, you know, drop of a dime. They can travel, they've done it, they're experienced. All the parents trust them. You know, it's not, it's not where I have to feel like I have to do every single thing. So I looked for people that had that strong foundation of working with kids. But from 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 a character side, are they coachable as a coach? Are they willing to learn? Um, do they understand their role that, um, you know, hey, you're going to be in charge of, of building the youth program. And as you're here more and more, you'll, you know, you can you can develop into the other in, into the other programs and really just a love for the sport and, and a love for helping kids grow. I'll remember my, my one assistant that I, I had to get from Reno. He moved his whole family down here. And I'm like, dude, you're, we're going to we're going to make this happen. Right. Like he moves his family, his wife and, and three kids. And I'll never forget what he said to me was was. I want to coach for you because I've hit my ceiling doing what I'm doing. I want to learn. I want to grow in other ways. And wherever you tell me you need me to be, you need me to clean the gym every day and, and run one practice. That's what I'll do. But I, I, I truly believe I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to learn from you. And, and for me, that was like sold. Sold. If you're coachable, great, because that, that, that's such a huge value in, in what we're doing, right? Um, you got anything else, Joel? No, this has been gold, man. Yes, quite literally. Wow, nailed it. Look at that, marketing, branding and marketing. Well done, Joel. Um, Chase, how can people, whether whether it be people coming through Vegas or people that live around the area, how can they get a hold of you if they need to um, and, and come check out the club? Yeah, easiest way, one, is just either through Instagram, direct message, um, myself or my assistant will answer. Um, and then if not that, our website, goldrushwrestling.com hit the contact form and i promise i have a rock star assistant who literally calls people back in like one minute it's like she's she's amazing like people hey your assistant calling back in two minutes just so you know like she's a rock star i'm like yeah i know that's why she's that's why she's doing what she does so it's awesome man thank you chase thank you so much for coming on man thank you for carving out some time we really appreciate it absolutely you're welcome all right man i'll talk to you soon